It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go, sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. Um, and while you're there, while you're listening to the, the podcast, check out the Facebook link. If you listen to the Steelers episode and or didn't listen to the Steelers episode, no longer an Etsy link for everything custom design. It's just Facebook link. Don't know why. Don't really care. We're just going to post a Facebook link. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll start. I'll start to care when she has hats. Um, but go. yeah, go check her out. Haley Wagner, everything custom designs. Uh, she gets some customized clothing from her. Um, this is the Penguin Show, and I think that we're in a slightly better mood after this weekend um, compared to what we, games. Comp- yeah. compared to what we were last week. Uh, last week I was at rock bottom, I think, <laughs> and I apologize for that. I I know I was uh, very emotional last week. Um, I'm not quite there anymore, but I'm still not necessarily happy. But it was a better week. <clears throat> Three points in two games over the weekend, and they're back to backs. Um, obviously the four would have been nice. They had the opportunity going into a shootout in that first one. They went to overtime in the second one too. Finally, winning a game in three on three overtime. Marcus Patterson of all people scoring the game winning goal in overtime in that second game against the Canadians. Also, your boy won a little bit of cash in that second game because Lars Eller playing in his one thousandth game. I was like. He scored a goal tonight against the team that he played for in his thousandth game. Lars Eller is just scoring a goal tonight. Um, but you mentioned you're in a better mood this week. Um, the Penguins will not play another game until after the All Star break. But if you look right now, 46 games played, 51 points. If they were to win their games in hand, they wouldn't even necessarily be a wild card because they could, they would be tied with the Red Wings in points. But the Philadelphia Flyers, who hold the three spot in the Metro Division, have 56 points in 50 games, and they would jump them with the games in hand as well. Four less games played than the Flyers. These schedules are so weird. Obviously, it all evens out at the end of the year when everybody's played 82. But as we sit here right now, the Penguins only having 46. I believe that's the least, or tied for the least. Uh, No, 45 for the Oilers. Um, But yeah, right there with the least amount of games played in the league. And you look at how spaced out the schedule's been. It certainly has felt this way. Um, but, yeah, no more games until after the All-Star break. Got to get a temperature check, I feel like, where we're at with this team. So we've seen a lot of up. We've seen a lot of down. It's equaled what it's equaled with this team still being in the mix. But right now on the outside looking in, where are we at? Uh, we're better than we were last week. That's for sure. I, I think that – They've showed improvement in these two games. Obviously, a game like Montreal, you would have liked to have won in regulation and not have to have uh, had to come back in that game. And same thing with like Florida. Florida was a great way to to cap off the end of that game. And even though you lost in, in the shootout, to the fact that you're able to send it to OT um, with a with a late minute goal from Malkin, which I saw everybody was basically eating crow after Malkin scores a, with like a minute left after. Um, a lot of people were cra- have been crapping on Malkin recently. I, you know, I, I think that they did played better in these games. Um, shootouts to me are still the devil, especially when it comes to being the pe- being a fan of the Penguins. Sidney Crosby hasn't deked since two thousand nine in a shootout, and it, it's it's almost like I know they're going to lose if they go to a shootout. If they don't win in overtime, I, I might as well just turn off the TV because I'm about to be seeing one of the most boring 
things I can see on television. It's almost worse than their power play. Um, yes, but it's not. It's not. It's not worse than their power play. Um, but that game against Montreal, like I, I, I think that there was improved in 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 many areas. I think that offensively they improved, like as far as driving offense goes. Um, for checking, I thought looked better in these games, and I, I think that more more or less, I feel like most of it is just like the Penguins are very good at not capitalizing on opportunities, and giving I mean giving the other team opportunities defensively. But I feel like their their finish is not that great. And that's the difference in a lot of this. And I'm not even talking about just on the power play because I've harped on that enough, how how many times mm-hmm. power play goals could change these things. By the way, I don't know, know what the power play scenario was in these games. I'm very curious about that. But the 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 fact that they had um they, they, they had like there's several opportunities, not just in these two games, by the way, throughout the season, I feel like this the penguins just don't take advantage of a lot of what's given to them. And I think that that could be part of the difference in, in what we've seen. Also, I got to, well, I'm even thinking about it just because it crossed my mind. Sidney Crosby is ridiculous at hockey. I mean, we say, we say that all the time, <laughs> I mean... but, but that, that back spinorama, no look tape to tape pass with Jake Gensel. You know, you want to know why you don't trade Jake Gensel because you get stuff like that with those two and man we are lucky to watch him play hockey because that was awesome that was absolutely ridiculous jake even said he didn't know it was a pass until it was on his stick and then it was just don't mess the goal yeah i mean it was a tap in at that point like jake really just had to redirect the puck into the net um but yeah, that's funny because I feel like we could just talk about that every single episode. You could say that exact same thing. Sidney Crosby is ridiculous. Uh, Sidney Crosby, 50 points on the season. He now is ahead of Jake Gensel in terms of points, 50 points in 46 games. Jake Gensel right behind him with 49 and 46. Um, I feel like our questions kind of play into what I wanted to talk about anyway. So I guess we can just bring them up now. Tyler said, will the Penguins make a move? And if so, for who? I do believe they're going to do something like, I I mean, now to what level that I'm not sure it could be something minor. Heck making a move could be them being sellers. So I'm definitely going to say that they do something. Um, But let's assume that this is on the buying side of things. Uh, I really like the name that you've brought up, you know, and I brought him up last year. You brought him up again this season. That's Adam Henrique. Um, Maybe a little bit more palatable this year because you don't have to like he doesn't have the contract status going into like you're still off the books for you, so you would be just renting him that five point eight five, uh, hopefully with some retain five point eight two five. Sorry, um, some of that I assume would be retained in this as well, but you also don't carry that cap over um, going forward. So maybe that would make him more attractive. I don't know which direction the Penguins would feel about that. Um, how about Vladimir Tarasenko though? Uh, because the Senators not playing the way that I think they came into the season hoping that they would. And they certainly should be sellers at the deadline. And for a guy like that who's there on just a one-year deal, I think he could certainly be on the move. Uh, I've mentioned this guy a ton. Still crazy that he's only 28 years old because I feel like I've been mentioning his name since like 2010 for the Penguins to acquire, and it has not happened yet. Anthony Duclair. Uh, who's with the Sharks this year, certainly they're going to be sellers. Another guy on an expiring deal, eight goals this year, 
uh, for them. And that's, you know, on a really bad Sharks team, I think that he probably is a, a guy that you expect to score in within that range, the 12 to 15 goals um, can fit somewhere in their middle six. If you were going to maybe take, I don't know if this is necessarily a huge swing because the salary is still under 2 million, but I think there's going to be a lot of suitors for this guy kind of having a little bit of a bounce back. Sean Monahan in Montreal has mm-hmm. 11 goals this year. Uh, and he would fit that center bill for them as well. So maybe, you know, take some pressure off of like Noel Achari, I, I think could be fine playing on a wing. Center is just not working for me. And I think if you were to really be able to strengthen down the middle and go with Crosby, Gino, Lars Eller, and then Sean Monahan or Monahan and then Eller, whatever way you wanted to do it, um, man, you know, super deep down the middle there. I'm not talking about, you know, like the, the HBK years in terms of the strength they had down the middle or Jordan Stahl years, the strength they had down the middle, but certainly would shore up that. Well, the Derek Broussard years. That, yeah. <laughs> the Derek Broussard years. Um, I don't know if there's anybody necessarily, uh, you know, amongst defensemen that's super intrigued. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like go explore the Jacob Chickering thing again. I just, I don't know if I see them acquiring a defenseman at this point, if they didn't have Ryan Graves on the books, one, I'd be a much happier human being. And two, I could definitely see them going after left-handed defenseman like a Jacob Chikorin. Uh, but with that not being the case, I, I'm looking more at the forward route than anything else. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, Adam Henrik, you you mentioned that uh, you mentioned him. I brought him up a couple weeks ago. That's that's one that I would look at. I think he would fit the Penguins well. Um, and this is a tough question to answer because we don't know what kind of move they're going to be making. Obviously, we're we're talking about moves being made in a positive note that they're actually going to be a buyer at this deadline. We have no idea what they're going to be at this sure, deadline. Yeah. What kind of hockey they have? Well, for okay. February. So let's talk about let's talk so about the other I, direction then. Well, I was going to say. Well, what I was going to say okay. is, regardless of what direction they end up in, someone who I think could be technically a move but is not going to be a trade is you might actually see Sam Pullen in the NHL. Um, mm, he's been okay. playing pretty well down in Wilkes-Barre. And I think that's why I say regardless of whether you're a seller or whether you're a buyer, I think it could make sense to bring him up around that time. In the month of January in 12 games, he had 10 points, seven goals, three assists. I think he was playing really good hockey this month. And moving forward you're going to need and we've talked about before how like whenever they were competitive and they had those good teams in 16 and 17 you had a lot of young guys being able to come up and provide some sort of a spark and we didn't necessarily rely on a lot of external trades to improve those teams a lot of it came from internal moves and so that could be something regardless of whether you're a buyer or seller if you're a buyer then maybe you want to bring up Sam Pullen and see if he can bring up some sort of spark with him. And if you're a seller, well, you're going to have to replace the body somehow and maybe see what you got in Sam Pullen at the NHL level on a more of a full-time basis. He only He's only had a cup of coffee so far last season in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's probably, yeah, he's earned another shot. And it's not like, you know, the guys up and down the lineup right now are playing so well where he's blocked by somebody. Like, he's not blocked by a Jansen Harkins or anything like that. Um Certainly, Sam Pullman deserves another shot. Let's say that this does go the other direction, though, and the Penguins are sellers. You know, Jake Gensel's name has obviously been thrown around a lot, and I know you mentioned it last week. You feel like that just kickstarts something bigger. Like, if you're going to make that move, it doesn't make sense for that to be the only move. You should continue to sell assets if you're going to go that direction. Um, mm-hmm. and, th- and then I proposed, well, what? Can, how much of can you really move out? Like, even if you want to go that direction, um, 
but say, okay, let's say that they do go that direction. Jake Gensel is traded. Um, what are some other names that could be? Marcus Patterson comes to mind right away. Uh, I know he's not healthy right now, but I think Riley Smith would be in play. Alex Nedeljkovic, I think, has been solid enough as a backup goaltender to warrant some interest around the league. What about the guy that I mentioned at the beginning of this show with Lars Eller? Could he be of interest to somebody? He still has another year of control, whether that's, you know, that could be attractive to some teams and unattractive to some other teams. The fact that he does have still that one more year. And then the ones that really get me, which just because I'm not sure that they're like intriguing for other teams to take on, are Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel. Like, because if the, if you're talking about the Penguins having to eat salary to move those, to me that almost kind of defeats the purpose of, of doing so. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that the the benefits or what you'd be gaining by moving them is obviously what you, whatever you're getting back in terms of draft capital or whatever to to start the rebuild for the future. But also the cap space flexibility. If you're retaining salary on them, I don't know that that loses its luster for me. So I, I don't know that I'm necessarily willing to do. Well, I obviously not the one making the move, but I wouldn't want the Penguins to do so. Um, so for me, like, yeah, it really comes down to Gensel, Pedersen, because and I love Marcus Pedersen, one of my favorite players on the team. Uh, but I think he can definitely command a solid return. And then yeah, Riley Smith to me, which I, I think per in a perfect world. And I think this is perfect for him and the other team as well. He gets to go back to Vegas. Yeah. And I, I, I still wholeheartedly believe that if you trade Jake Gensel, <clears throat> just because I saw people, I've, I've seen people float around the idea that trading Jake Gensel is just you, you starting your retooling for next season. And I just, I can't fathom how you're retooling your team. If you're trading away your second most player in points um, and the one of the only players that drives offense on this team and uh, also he's Crosby's best wingman he's ever had in his career and that line is at times the only positive line on your entire team I I don't understand and I can't fathom how trading away that player would only cause a retooling and not a rebuild because it, to yeah, me, like what do you? Unless you're bringing in like Sam Reinhart or like Elias Patterson in place of yeah, and and that's the thing you're you're not going to make a tra- hockey trade with Jake Gensel if you're a seller, you're you're just yeah. not. And I feel like that's the the way it's got to be with all these guys that you've just been naming is that if you get to the point where it's bad enough that you are going to be selling at the deadline, sell at the deadline. You're selling for picks. You're selling for prospects. We're not selling for NHL bodies. We're not making hockey trades right now. We, you are trying to improve the future of this team, and the tipping point is Jake Gensel. That's what it all hinges on to me. If you, if the you get to that point where he is gone, and that part of your future is gone, you might as well scrap everything else and start fresh. Because I don't understand how. Like I would love to hear the argument about how you get rid of Gensel, and you're still competitive the following season enough where to where it's just retooling your team. I feel like I'm talking about the Pirates right now using retooling enough where it was it's, it's just i i can't see it i can't there's no way to me that this is going to be just, a competitive hockey team i just laid out the scenario you bring in either elias Pettersson or sam reinhardt that's how you do it yeah i mean that's how you do it <laughs> you you, have, um, you you bring in sam reinhardt who's having the career year on, on, a, on a contract year mm-hmm 37 goals though i mean stupid year you know the one that really bothers me and this is hindsight obviously but i mean i think we would have both said it at the time matthew shane do you know what he's doing this year 
I know he has like 30 plus goals. Well, he no, he has 17 goals, 28 oh, assists, 40, 40, he has over 45 points. Okay, points, yeah, not goals. Uh, ridiculous, ridiculous. And he's making like three million or something like that, like not that much more than Lars Eller. And again, you know, I, I like Lars Eller, I think he's provided good value for what we signed him for more than what I expected, but man. I think everybody would agree at the time Matthew Shane made a ton of sense for the Penguins to bring in this offseason. Remember when everybody was afraid of Matt Duchesne for some odd reason and we signed Derek Broussard? <laughs> or we traded for Derek Broussard? Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at upcoming free agents. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I'm sorting it by points here this season. Elias Patterson, Sam Reinhardt, the only two in front of Jake Denzel. Um and then you get into like Steven Stamkos, Matthew Shane, like guys, you know, 30 and above. Um, and, and most of these guys are probably going to be back on the teams that they're currently on. You know, out of them, I think Jake Denzel, and then all the way until you get down to like Sean Monahan, out of guys that are free agents after this season, are guys that I would fully expect to sign a new deal or maybe in the case of Joe Pavelski, retire after the season with the team that they're currently on. So I don't know what the free agent pool is going to look like. But yeah, if you're trading Jake Gensel, I think it's pretty far fetched to just assume you're gonna turn around in 2024, 2025, be a better hockey team. Yeah, it's it's non-existent. The, nobody. I I would love if if anybody is listening to this and disagrees, I would love to hear the argument otherwise, because I just I I see no way in my mind that you're going to be able to turn around in a year later after trading Gensel, and that's just talking about trading Gensel. We literally just said, we imagine if they're trading Gensel, they're going to try to trade other valuable pieces that they have too. And so, yeah, there's there's no way to me. I hope they don't get to that point. I, I really don't. But if they do, then that just might be the end of whatever era you want to, what you want to still talk about as far as this core goes, because I, I it's hard for me to see them icing a winning team if you're going to be doing a rebuild with your core being in their late thirties. I feel like uh, the other question we got regarding the penguins was basically along the same lines. Uh, yeah. Who are some of the deadline targets for the penguins? So basically everything that we talked about already. Um, again, I think that the, the one thing that really interests me is if they go, like I, I would fully expect, and I think you said the same, that if they're going to make a move, probably at forward, right? Because like if they're going to yeah. show interest in the defense market, I think that gets really interesting because like we know Sullivan wanted Chickering last year. Do they circle back with a new front office? They should have just signed Chickering instead of uh, in- instead of getting Graves. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, well, man. yeah. I don't think I don't even know that that was hindsight though. Like we would have we would have said that at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I think that we were both on board with Chickering last year, and pretty disappointed, especially when we found out that like Hextall just didn't want to make the move. Like Sullivan was pushing hard for it, and Hextall didn't want to include one like one more pick to get it done. Yeah. I don't know. Pretty right. disappointing. That's just one piece of the Hextall tenure that just like went to show how far apart like the vision was between Sullivan and him. Which so I know that like the results this year are still a mixed bag, but do we, do you at least feel like there's you know more chemistry there from like top to bottom in the organization? Because last year just felt so disjointed. Where are you at with that? 
I think there is. I, I think that Dubis is more on the same page with Sullivan. Um, it, it, but that doesn't mean that necessarily the players are going to work out. That they that one or both or any of them actually bring in and agree on that 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 could still not work out on the ice. But I feel like as far as a organizational standpoint, I do feel like there's there's a sense that from head coach to GM slash president of hockey ops, whatever you want to call him, um, to ownership. There's there's more of a more unison um, feel to to this tenure right now than there. I feel like there ever was with Hextall. Even from the beginning of Hextall, it didn't feel like everybody was on the same page. And maybe that's because Brian Burke was also involved with it. And it, like I never felt like why why does it feel like Brian Burke is the mouthpiece, but then you have Hextall making these questionable moves, and it, it never seemed like anything was unison. I mean, even even from the stuff that Brian Burke and Hextall would say as far as the types of players they want to bring in, well, we know those are the types of players that solve in once. So from that standpoint, I feel like it's way more unified in the sense of the vision of the team and where they want to take it and the types of players that they're interested in compared to the other regime. Watch, you know, so we saw them go through their first free agency together. We're watching them go through their first season together. This could be their first deadline together. I think that's why there's so much intrigue for me as well, just to see like all these firsts get checked. Kyle Dubas's first trade deadline in Pittsburgh. We know that, you know, he's got the long term security. So I don't think that he needs to worry about that. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, it, holding the dual role that he is, the contract that he got, he's not going anywhere. He knows that he's going to be the guy for the future uh ultimately as well as the present so knowing that does that maybe make him take a, a harder look at being a seller because he knows that he's going to be the guy to rebuild this thing anyway like most guys i feel like try to hold on until the very end like in hextall's position because mm -hmm. he knows like you know i'm probably not going to be here long term if this doesn't work out dubas kind of already has that security right away that he's the guy long term so does that maybe play into his mindset and how to approach this? I think it could. Obviously, he wants the best for not just the current team, but the organization as a whole. And he's not dumb. We're not dumb. Like, you look at this organization, you know that the future, as far as it goes after the Sidney Crosby and, like, getting Malcolm the Tang era goes, there, there's there's no future. I mean, <laughs> we've, we've got nothing. They have nothing in the organization. So he's not dumb. He knows he has to replenish an empty empty cupboard but i i don't know there's we i just talked about unison i mm -hmm. that's walking a fine line being a seller at the deadline and i understand it's not necessarily up to mike sullivan whether they are buyers or sellers and it's not necessarily all mike sullivan's fault whether they're icing a winning hockey team or not even though yeah he's the coach he carries that responsibility but there's a lot more of like variables that go into it but i wonder how how much of an opinion it would be for Sullivan if uh, like how, what kind of opinion he would have as being a seller at the deadline. And I feel like he would have a better opinion on it. If he also had those assurances and that security from Dubas himself saying like, listen, we are, we know that we're going to be selling at this deadline, but we still want you as our guy, as our head coach moving forward. This is just where we're taking the, this season right now. Well, that's what I was going to ask too. Like, do you think that it would be, I, like, I don't know where you're at with Sullivan, but like, assuming that the organization's still in a good place and Dubas wants him, do you think that like he should be approached about this and have a say, like, okay, this is what we're going to do with the deadline? Um, 
just know that obviously we expect the team not to perform the same way when we get rid of these players. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's a tough conversation to have, but I'm also curious if like, if, if the strategy that they go with this deadline, how it impacts Sullivan's future here. Yeah, I, I think it does. But I, I think that Sullivan's necessarily not necessarily like, I guess I should say he's earned the respect in my eyes to be yeah. able to at least give his opinion on what the team should do. But, and, and I, I don't think a coach is ever going to want to like tank and, and ever want to be a seller, but sometimes you just kind of have to read the room. But at the same time, Dubas didn't hire Sullivan. That was so long ago. This, this ownership group wasn't around whenever Sullivan was the coach. Sometimes you have to cut ties and move on eventually. Now, do I think that, that Sullivan should be let go? I'm still of the opinion no for right now, but there's certain things that I – and I, I feel that way because you look at some of the past 10 years as, as far as uh, – or past years as far as like the playoff mishaps and then what happened last season not even making the postseason. And it's like some of those things weren't necessarily things that Sullivan had control over. Like in 2021, whenever there was the – collapse of jari against the islanders i don't think any coach could have could have gotten the better play out of jari that was just a terrible postseason run for jari the team played well in front of them they it was just jari literally collapsed and then the year after that it was just another postseason where you have you're starting louis Domingue, and then you have casey to smith and jari only starts in that last game and they end up losing the series but that's another thing where it's like this, that's kind of more out of Sullivan's control. Last season, there was a lot going wrong. And, and one of the things I will say is like where I could criticize Sullivan as far as um, what he does with his line decisions sometimes. Uh, I, I will always have some criticisms there. But also, I think at a certain point, there's got to be a breaking point of if, if a power play – of course, we're going to talk about power play. But if there's something that that is staggeringly bad about your team and it's not being improved, eventually, I feel like that leaves whoever is in charge of the power play. If the, in this case, if that's Todd, Todd Reardon, eventually well, the responsibility for that leaves Todd Reardon and it goes to the head coach because nothing is being changed about it. So there are well, criticisms. Also some people that I've talked to, uh, one that used to be around the team every day still does cover them in some capacity uh, and somebody else that already that still does cover them have told me that Sullivan has just as, in, as much if not more involvement in the power play as Todd Reardon like a lot more than people think so that's uh, the 31st unit in the entire NHL in terms of their power play yeah and that's why I said like there, there's definitely criticisms to have of Sullivan and eventually there might be a breaking point where something's got to change but as of right now I'm still I'm not in the fire Sullivan campaign, um, but I will say the seat is warmer than it was just a couple years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with every, you know, passing stretch of hockey where we see this team be a roller coaster and and collapse in the third period. I, I mean, I think last year was was worse than anything else. Again, I don't think that he necessarily had the horses with the roster, but that's still like even with what you you had on the roster you didn't have to deploy Jeff Carter and Brian Dumoulin in the way that he did down the stretch in the third periods of these games that they always seem to blow in the third period when those two were on the ice. Um, 
you know, we've seen that that certainly I don't think has reared its ugly head as many times this season. I think that they're definitely a more and maybe the only difference is the goaltending. I brought that up last week. Like how much of a difference is just getting better goaltending from Tristan Jari and Alex Delkovic. But I do think that they are more sound uh, defensively. I don't know that it's necessarily their in zone defense. I think that they're just better at preventing uh, teams from getting into the the their own zone in general. Um, so I do think they've taken a step forward. I just, I think it's different. Like, like now they're even, it seems like, do we know? I could probably find this. I don't know if you know off the top of your head though, the goals this year compared to last year at this point. Like total like goals? They, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, at, at this, at this point this year to last year, I don't know, <laughs> but it, it feels like they're down and it feels like they're not scoring a lot. Yeah, I gotta find this because it's. I I feel like you know they need Sid's line to score every night. If I can find this here. Well, another thing that that is really damning about last year and this year is you've two point nine six goals per game right now. Okay, but you've you have healthy seasons from Latang, Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, Carlson. Like they've all played in every single game. And mm-hmm. so there's less of an excuse. It's the same as, as last as year. The results. Yeah, you were getting the same last year though too. I'm still trying to find this, by the way. Um, here we go. Here's what I want. <laughs> um, last year, yeah, three point one eight for the total season. Two point nine six so far this year, uh, which would be. Twenty second in the NHL this year. Last year they were one, two, three. Sixteenth. So it passes the eye test. We are right. They're storing less than they did last year. They might be better at preventing goals, largely due to the goaltending they've gotten, but they're also storing less, which is not good. So I don't know. I still think as we sit here right now, if you ask me to make a prediction, they're going to be slight buyers at the deadline. I don't think they'll do anything drastic, but I think they'll bring in somebody that can play within that middle six. Uh, I don't expect Jake Gensel to be traded as we sit here right now. And we'll see. We'll go from there. We will. So next week, uh, we're recording on Tuesday this week. I can tell you that's not going to be the case next week because they play next Tuesday. That is their welcome back game after the all-star break against the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll at least be talking about that game. Don't know what else. Tyler, anything else? No, I'm just looking at their power play percentage, currently sitting at 13%, which has dropped down to 16%, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's it's just bad. It's bad. All around bad. Yep. All around bad. All right, well. Like, subscribe. Actually, last thing. There is a last they're thing. Scoring, they're scoring less goals. Mm-hmm. So they're 22nd in the NHL in goals per game, but they're mm-hmm. fifth in shots per game. Yep. I think their expected goals is also pretty high. But once again, what is this, like the seventh straight year we're going to talk about how bad they are at finishing for whatever reason? Yeah, well, they're, they're shooting, their shooting percentage as a team is 8% crazy all right the only teams worse are washington philly san jose and chicago you're i can't keep hearing this we got to get out of here before i get depressed 
like subscribe hit that notification bell here follow us on everything at around the 412 all your social media platforms we are there uh hit us in the comments as well any questions for future shows comments about what we talked about your thoughts your opinions hit us in the comments with any of that in the description you will find the link to everything custom designs our friend Haley wagner small business that is her facebook page that is down there uh t-shirts hoodies a lot of different custom designs including around the 412 merch that she can do for you i know she's got that design uh in the bank because i've gotten some stuff from her uh tyler's mom has also gotten some stuff from her as well so you know you got a couple people that can attest to the work that she does yes um but yeah so go give her a shout anything that you want besides hats from everything custom designs um until next time we should have another video popping up right about now we'll see you next week Bye bye